Alright, so welcome to the first coffee shop interview with Alan Wright. I'm uh, his son, Matthew Wright, so if I unprofessionally refer to him as dad, you ought to forgive me, but that's probably going to happen. So, yeah, and if I correct him and say, son, don't do that, then you'll know why. And if you're able to tell between the difference between our voices, then you're, you're good. You're good at voice uh, recognition. So... We so we so Dad has been preaching uh, sermons on on Revelation, uh, the first two chapters specifically so far, and what we wanted to do was we wanted to preface each sermon that we post on the podcast with a laid back, unrehearsed coffee shop type interview. Um, we wanted to go over anything that maybe he had forgotten to go over that he wanted to go over in the sermon maybe um just just kind of discuss it real quick make them quick five minute um interviews and uh so so we're kind of coming into the middle of the series right now we've gone over um ephesus smyrna pergamum thyatira and now the first lesson that you're about to hear is sardis and important part of that that we need to remember is I spent some time in chapter one I believe I went through five lessons which I think are foundation foundational and important because if we don't have chapter one in our minds as we go to chapter two and three we're going to I think we're going to misread those chapters and chapter one uh, really focuses uh, us on who God is who Christ is and that's the center of all these uh, lessons. The center of all the lessons have been, if you don't put Jesus at the center of it, then you've lost the point altogether. Right. Um, so, all right, so what we want to do is we want to do a quick overview of what led to these sermons being preached in the first place. Well, um, I have been studying the writings of John for many, many years. I did a series of lessons in in the gospel, over a hundred lessons in the gospel, and then that led me to First John, and I did seventy, I believe, lessons in First John, and I've just been fascinated by his writings, his thought, and I was urged to uh, to continue that in the Book of Revelation. Last year, uh, November, December of last year, I began reading about the different cities, the seven cities of Asia. My wife, Julia, came through the living room and I, in an offhand way, said, hey, you know, I would really love one day to go to these places and, and uh, actually put myself in these, uh, the shoes of the people who lived there before I presented these lessons. And she turned to me and said, well, why don't you? And that began my journey in, in April of this year of 2018. I made a trip to uh, Turkey. I rented a car, I was by myself, and I went to the seven cities of uh, the that are written in the book of Revelation. And if you want to see some of the videos from his travels, you can go to Big Dog's Travels on Facebook. Alright, so after you listen to or watch the videos on Facebook, you'll, you'll get a really good idea that the stories in... And, and the Bible are true, and not just that, but the, um, well, go, first of all, just what, what is the angel that, that each church starts with that, that the message is delivered through or to? Yeah, that, that's a big question. A lot of 
there's a lot of theories on who the angel is. My personal opinion is that it was the reader, the one, the person who read the letter to each church. Uh, so we have uh, the angel to the church in uh, Ephesus. There was a reader. Not everyone read in those days. And so there was someone who could read, and he was the reader representing the whole church. And so it actually represents the entire body, the entire congregation, uh, through that one person reading to them. And a lot of times in the imagery of Revelations, we tend to skip over it as uh, fantastical happenings. And through your travels and through your videos that you get to see on, on your Facebook page, it, it becomes a reality for folks like me who maybe haven't studied Revelation as much in depth, and you're getting to study that right now. Yeah, and that, that's, that was the strength of the, the trip that I made, was to really uh, come to feel, and I'm not a great feeler, but I came to feel that these people were real, uh, my true brothers and sisters in Christ. My goodness. <laughs> All right, so we're back after <laughs> something fell. I got attacked by something behind me. But anyway, I, I came to feel that these people were true, they were real, they were uh, the things, the events that took place uh, actually happened, and it really seemed to connect me emotionally to the people that the letters were written to. Okay, so I'd like to encourage everybody who's listening to this to go back, listen to the previous sermons, but let's let's get into Sardis. This is where we're at now. Um, Dad uh, only started, uh, he, he, he got into it, he introduced Sardis as uh, a little bit of history behind it all, and then he got into the very beginning of verse 2, and I'd just like to preface it by saying that when, when he gets to the part that says, wake up, that's very powerful, listen to it closely. Um, it's something that uh, you know, did, you've talked about shadows, mm. uh, echoes, echoes, echoes. Oh, which we we talk about shadows from the Old Testament to the New Testament. That's right. So echoes, and um, something here is that Jesus is saying, "Wake up!" And one of the things that He's going to do when He comes back is He's going to wake us all up, and He's going to do it loudly. And I, you know, I asked Dad the other day. I said, "You know, I got to thinking. What about a person who's deaf and has never heard before, and they become a Christian, and then they die?" And the first thing they ever hear is Jesus coming back. How amazing would that be? Yeah, that, that's that was a great thought. That someone who's never heard sound, uh, the first sound they'll hear is when Jesus returns and he wakes up all who are dead. One one thing that really hit me in this study this past week was a dead person can do nothing. And in the same way, a dead church can't do anything. If they were truly dead, their only hope would be in a risen Savior being able to resurrect them from their spiritual death. And I think that's exactly what is happening here, and it's especially shown in the description of Jesus in this passage, uh, that he holds the seven spirits of God, and he holds the seven stars, and I think those that uh, speaks a lot about comfort as he introduces what he's going to say to them. He says, I am the one who is the comforter. I am the one who ha who is the empower. I can empower. Uh, I am the one who holds you and protects you in my, in my hands. And so, because I am this, now this is what I have to say to you. And the very first thing he said is, you're dead. And so... 
a dead church can do nothing except wait and uh, wait for Jesus to wake them up. And that's what he says. The next, the next words after he declared them dead was, wake up. And now they have hope because uh, Christ himself has woken them from their spiritual death. Yep, and that's a good uh, that's a good preview. So get into it, start listening to it. Next week we're gonna um, we're gonna upload a, a coffee shop interview number two. It'll be for Sardis part two. Um, but uh, go ahead and start listening to Sardis part one and join us in this uh, really really great series on Revelations. We'll see you next week. So go on over to Stitcher or iTunes and search for Alan Wright Sermons, or you can go to the church's website at centralfamily.org and listen to the sermons there. Thanks very much.